Chag Sameach to you, my friends. This is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn with the Practical Parsha Podcast. I hope you are well and you are having a beautiful Passover. The first part of the holiday was beautiful. I hope you are enjoying the matzah. And tonight, Tuesday night, we're going to be going into the second part of the holiday of Pesach. And it's only going to be ending on Thursday night. That only leaves us less than a day to get out the Practical Parsha podcast for this week's Parsha of Parsha Shemini. So I decided today to release the episode for this week so we can learn about the Parsha. It shouldn't be forgotten. And you'll have another great episode and Torah ideas to share with your family and friends. If you have any questions or comments, at Rabbi Shlomo Kohn, K-O-H-N, at gmail.com. This week's Parsha is Parsha Shmini. And Parsha Shmini, which literally means the eighth, takes place on the eighth day of the inauguration of the Mishkan, of the Tabernacle. As we've been mentioning for the last month or so, we've been talking about different aspects of the Mishkan, of the Tabernacle, of the service, of the Kohanim, the priestly vestments, and finally now, after a seven-day inauguration period where Moshe Rabbeinu or Moses was tasked by God to do the, the service for the first seven days, to act as the high priest, now he is giving the job over to Aaron and his sons, that Aaron will be the high priest of Kohen Gadol, and his sons will be the Kohanim, will, will do the service in the Mishkan, will do the service in the tabernacle. And that's why the Parsha is called Shmini, that it's on the eighth day that this happened that Moshe Rabbeinu gave this job over to Aaron HaKohen. And the Parsha goes through the, inaugur- the consecration of the Kohanim, and it also talks about the death of Nadav and Avihu, the sons of Aaron, at the, at the joyous moment the two sons of Aaron make a fatal mistake and lose their lives. The Parsha also talks about the laws of the permissible animals, the, the laws of kosher. What are the signs of a kosher animal? What are the signs of a kosher fish? Um, as well as the different birds that are acceptable to eat. And the Parsha finishes off with uh, the prohibition of eating, you know, creeping animals and creatures and insects, which we need to stay away from. The first idea I wanted to share with you today is this story of Nadav and Avihu, the two sons of Aaron. Now, the first thing which the commentaries tell us in this week's Parsha is that the Parsha starts off with the word Vayihi, Bayomashmini, Kara Moshe, Laro Novana Vizikne Yisrael. That it was on the eighth day Moshe summoned Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. And the commentaries ask right away that Vayihi connotes a, a, uh, it's a word which we use which connotes a tragedy. And we see different examples throughout the Torah, the most famous being Vayihi Bime And it was in the days of Achashverosh. When the Megillah starts off, it tells us about the story of, of Purim. It says it starts off with a Vayihi, that it's it portends to certain bad thing that's going to happen. And this week's Parsha, it also starts with Vayihi, that even though we have this joy of the Mishkan, that the finally after all the preparations, the Kohanim will now start the service, the Torah starts with this wording of Vayihi, that there's, it portends to something bad that's going to happen. And the commentaries give us different answers to what the Vayihi is referring to. Now, the first answer is that the Vayihi refers to the death of Nadav and Avihu, the two sons of Aaron HaKohen. That Nadav and Avihu, they are great um, leaders in the Jewish people, 
as it connotes with the meaning of their names, that Nadav signifies that Nadav was nobility, Nadivus, that he was fit for nobility. And Avihu implies that, the name implies that he was worthy of becoming a father of the Jewish people. Av, Avihu. Now, not only were Nadav and Avihu such great people, but they also recognized how great they were. And the, the commentaries tell us that they made certain disparaging comments about Moshe and Aaron, um, maybe that was for their level not appropriate. And what happened is that the Nadav and Avihu, I guess in their great desire to, to serve Hashem, to do the right thing, they decided that they would bring a ketores, they would bring the, the ketores of their own into the Holy of Holies. Now, Moshe Rabbeinu was waiting that Hashem should send the fire down for the first Ketores, that the fire should come from a heavenly fire. And Nadav and Avihu, they decided that they would take the fire from their own fire and bring it in to the Kodesh Kadashim, to the Holies of Holies. And the, the sages tell us is that is where they made their fatal mistake. And although they were on the level to withstand going into the Kodesh Kadashim, they were punished because they taught a halacha in front of the presence of the Rebbe. They taught a, a law in the Torah in the place of Moshe Rabbeinu, which, which was of the utmost dis- disrespect. But since the Torah says, and the sons of Aaron, the Kohen, shall put the fire on the altar, they decided, based on this verse, that it was correct for them to place the fire of the incense inside the Holy of Holies, even if the fire would come down from heaven. And thus they decided this ruling in the face of Moshe Rabbeinu without consulting him. And they became liable for the death penalty. You know, the question really is, is how could they have been liable for, for just for teaching a halacha, for teaching a point of law in front of Moshe Rabbeinu that they should deserve to die? Teaching something in front of one's Rebbe and in front of one's Torah teacher should be a reason for someone to face the death penalty? And if you think about it for a moment, you know, Judaism we have a, a understanding. There's one of the basic approaches to Torah study is that when it comes to previous generations, we assume, we know that we are dwarfs compared to the, the Torah leaders of the previous generations. And the further you go away from, from Sinai, the smaller we get. And this is actually in, in direct contrast with Western society that Western society has a belief that the more every generation is more, uh, you know, refined and more knowledgeable and we know everything better. You know, fine, we might have had advancements in certain areas that previous generations. The Torah outlook, though, is that when it comes to Torah, to mitzvot, to knowledge, to mesiras nefesh, to giving of oneself for the sake of of the Torah, we look at it that every generation that is removed from Mount Sinai is one step further from the source. Meaning that our grandfathers, our forefathers, they were much greater than us. Their their desire, their knowledge, what they what they knew was much more than us. And specifically also, not even for you know thinking about going back generations, but when it comes to our, our own teachers, we have to recognize that our basis of understanding, we have to have reverence for the opinions and the positions of our Torah teachers. Doesn't mean you can't have a question. Doesn't mean you can't um, have your own mind to think something through. But you have to have a certain 
um, reverence, a certain level of respect for the teachings of your Rebbe, for the teachings of your teacher. And the more you go back, the further you go back in the chain, the more reverence and respect you need to have. Because we are just, like I mentioned before, we're just dwarfs compared to the to our grandfathers, our great-grandfathers, the, the leaders of the previous generations, because we can't compare to them. And 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 what Nadav and Aviu, even though they were great in their own right, they failed to have that recognition for Moshe Rabbeinu, that he was their teacher, he was their Rebbe, and even though you know they might have had a correct opinion, what they were thinking, what could have been correct, but they were incorrect in the fact that they disregarded the teacher of the teaching of Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu. They were incorrect in the fact that they disregarded the teaching of Moshe Rabbeinu in front of him, and therefore they were reliable to the death penalty. And just the idea that we could take out of this is that when it comes to Torah, obviously we encourage people to think. We want people to ask questions. Judaism is all about questions, right? We just went through Pesach. Everything's, we're right in the middle of Pesach now. Everything's about questions. It's good. We encourage that. But at the same time, you have to have reverence for the opinions of the, of the leaders and the, and, the, and the opinions of the past generations that before we just throw something out, we have to first understand, before we offer our own opinions, we have to understand the positions of our of previous generations to to have a reverence for them before we even go forward. And this is actually a basic uh, approach when it comes to the oral tradition that the the transmission of the Torah is based on us having a sense of respect and a sense of awe for previous generations. Now, if you continue the story of the of of the sons of Aaron, the Torah tells us that after Aaron became notified of the deaths of, of Nadav and Avihu, there's an interesting wording. Moses said to Aaron, Of this did Hashem speak, saying, I will be sanctified through those who are nearest me, thus I will be honored before the entire people. And Aaron was silent. That the Torah, after Moshe Rabbeinu tells Aaron of the deaths of his two sons, his two beloved sons, who are going to be the leaders after they passed away, it says that Aaron was silent. And he's praised for that. Aaron is praised for staying silent. That his silence was a, a, was, that his silence was a recognition of the tzidoy kadin, the correctness of the judgment of Hashem. And Rashi tells us that his reward for being silent is that the next set of verses that talk about the prohibition of drinking wine and doing the service was addressed specifically to Aaron Akoin. Now, I saw a question being asked is that, you know, what was so special about Aaron Akoin being silent and accepting the judgment? You know, he was greatly praised for being silent. But what was the big deal for Aaron Akoin to not complain against Hashem for taking his two sons, right? You know, obviously that's a it's a it's something which is hard for us to imagine. It's hard for us to put into action. But we see, you know, people later on. We see this concept in the Talmud that Rabbi Akiva he used to say, "Called the Avid Rachman Anything that God does is for the good. We see 
Nachum Ish Gamzu, that we, this person, Nachum, he was referred to as Ish Gamzu, that everything, he says, Gamzu Latova, that everything was, is for the good. That everything that happened was for the good. And we see this concept in the Talmud that other people practiced this idea. So why is it just Aaron Akoin getting praised for being silent? And I saw it brought down that when a person says, Kol ta'ave rachman al-tava avid, that everything Hashem does is for the good, or gam zulatova, there's a difference to the case of Aaron Akoin. That when a person says these statements, that everything God does is for the best, it's true. It is for the best. Everything is for the good. But it's sort of implying that first, the initial reaction that a person had was negative. Why did God do this to me? Why did this happen? You know, I, you know I'm so upset. This is so bad. And only after your intellect overpowers that emotion do you get control of the situation and say, Gam Zulatova, this is also for good. Kol avid. That everything Hashem does is for the good. Right? But there's a moment. There's a few seconds where a person is still saying to themselves, they're upset, they're complaining. There's this negative emotion, this initial reaction that's not good, that, that has this recognition that maybe God does, did something bad to me. And only after those first few moments are you able to turn it around and say everything's for the best, right? But there's a higher level. There's a, a higher level than this. And that level is represented in Aaron HaKohen. That Vayidom Aaron, that Aaron was silent. That not that Aaron, he was so great that he not only didn't, he believed that everything Hashem did for, was for good, but his initial reaction, he never had that negative initial reaction. That what came into him, that everything he absorbed, everything that he saw was all for the good. There was never any bad that happened to him. His automatic reaction was positive. He didn't have to convince himself that it was for the best. He knew it instinctively, and that's why it says, Vayidom Aaron, that Aaron was silent. He knew it was fine. He knew it was good. He didn't have to tell himself that it was good because he was on such a high level that he had this recognition that it's all good, and it, it was instinctive to him. One of the most crucial attitudes for a person in life is accepting the will of Hashem. You know, we say in Pergevos, that we should, we want to, our goal, our goal is to accept God's will as our will. And when we're able to master this attitude of making Hashem's will our will, then everything is for the good. Nothing bad happens to us. We realize that we're not in control Hashem has a plan. We have to do our part in that plan. But when things happen, they happen. There's nothing we can do about it anymore. And we have to get our mindsets to this idea that Hashem is in control and He knows what's best for us. And when we're able to, to get into this mindset of Vayidamaron, where we, we know instinctively that everything Hashem has a purpose for it and that purpose is for, the, for our betterment, we're happier people. We're more joyful people. We sort of, we, we let go. We're able to live our lives and not have to worry and not have to be stressed because we know inside of us that everything is for the best. And this is, if perhaps not, you know, the most important aspect of a person's life to gaining happiness, it's one of the most. 
Because as soon as we're able to to get to this idea, our, our, you know, all our problems go away. All our, you know, the things that we worry about are, are gone. And the things that we experience are not, are for our benefit. And that's why the Torah praises Aaron HaKohen for his, his guess, Vayidom Aaron, his lack of response, because he didn't need that response. He knew instinctively that it was good, and therefore he merited a special reward. A second idea which I, I wanted to share with you today is that the Torah tells us at the end of the Parsha about the different dietary laws that a Jewish commanded in. And the Torah tells us what we can eat, what we cannot eat. A kosher animal must have certain signs. It must have split hooves and chew its, chew its cud. A kosher fish must have fins and scales. Only certain birds are kosher. Um, a Jew cannot eat insects or bugs or creepy crawlies or different animals that slither on the ground. Now, many people have explained kosher as a health benefit, that when it the benefit of keeping kosher is the fact that a person is healthier. And actually, if you look at the you know the market today, a tremendous amount of products are, are kosher. And there is a certain consensus out there that keeping kosher is a healthier diet. But that's not the reason that the Torah has commanded us in keeping kosher. And that's important to recognize and realize that because the first reason that Hashem gave us the laws of kosher is to keep us holy to make us holy. And when I say holy, I don't mean with holes. I mean kedusha, to have holiness, to sanctify ourselves. That, you know, we know that there's an expression, you are what you eat. That if a person eats fast food every single day for a month, they will be in horrible shape. They'll be not healthy. You know, if we have if we have too much sugar, if we have too much fats, right? A person could cause their life to be ended prematurely, they could have diseases, they could be in bad shape. If they don't eat correctly, if they don't have, you know, the correct nutrients, right? So when it comes to our spirituality, a person can also be affected by what they eat. Now, the Torah lays out for us what we can eat, what we cannot eat, what will affect us positively, what will affect us negatively. Now, the the sages tell us the different reasons, the different... Uh, for the keeping kosher, but the idea is, is that when a person eats what they're supposed to be eating and stays away from things that are not supposed to be eating, eaten, they are going to sanctify themselves and become more sensitive to to the needs of their neshama. Now, you might think for a second, how does eating something affect my spiritual soul? How does the physicality of eating something that's you know meat, chicken, something that's physical? affect my neshama? And the answer to that is that yes, that just like a nutrition, right? You don't, a person eats something that could have an effect either positively or negatively. So too, if a person eats certain foods, it could affect them positively or negatively, their neshama, their soul. And the more we are in touch with it, the more the more we're careful about it, the more we're in touch with our neshama, with our soul. And this uh, idea is not just for what we eat, it's also for everything else we take into ourselves as well. That aside for the prohibition of eating non-kosher and how careful we need to be about it, that it can affect us either positively or negatively, we have to also recognize that the other things that we take into ourselves as well, we see things, 
around us in the world. You know, we, we see things on television, movies, the news. It affects us. It affects our soul. It affects our sensitivities. It's something that we should think about to be careful of not just what we eat should be careful of, but also of what we take into our mind um, as well. So with that, I'm going to finish for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to reach out, please feel free to send me an email at rabbishlomokom with a K at gmail.com. Everyone, have a great day.